Yes, hello folks. Welcome along once again. Once again, it is the Left Wing Back Show live. We have the uh, football and hurling shows both together again tonight and they're both in association with Solar Signs and Bagnus Sound. Number one for your signage, garment printing and embroidery. You can visit solarsigns.ie for more information. And uh, they are, of course, on Facebook and on Twitter as well. We're on Facebook and Twitter and on YouTube. If you have any comments, you can send them in underneath the post. Them Occasionally, we do have problems trying to see them with uh, YouTube and Twitter, but if you're looking on Facebook, uh, type me underneath, and we'll try to get to those over the duration of the program. So, busy lineup. Um, we're starting with football first, and um, later on, obviously, turn our attention to hurling. There's, there's plenty to talk about. Um, unfortunately, a little bit off the pitch as well as on the pitch. Uh, so we'll delve into that. Uh, we'll be chatting to Nicholas Redmond uh, on the hurling show. Very interesting story. Uh, just became in, in love with hurling over in Canada. He's now in Ireland. He's on the Fitzgibbon panel for IT Carlo. And uh, we'll be getting his story to see um, how he became involved and, and see, you know, where, where he's hoping to, to go with the game and all that. So very much looking forward to that. James Hickey will be joining us as well on the Hurling Show, as will Joe Nolan. But uh, we're going to kick things off with football, as we said. And uh, I'm joined by uh, my trusty sidekick for uh, many year now, Mr. Stephen Bamrick. How are you keeping, Stevie? Okay. I hear they're rolling out the uh, National Broadband Plan in uh, Banagher Goal and uh, Fibre is on the way shortly. That's the rumour. Uh, we had to pull away the phone cable anyway. That'll be a good start. <laughs> yeah, and not to worry about moving rooms too much, being a, a stable environment, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, instead of being in the stable and early. <laughs> Some would say it's not too often you, you're, you're stable anyway, <laughs> but that's a different story. Um, we're also sure. joined tonight and delighted to be joined by uh, Pamela Hayden. How are you doing, Pamela? Hi, lads. How's it going? Great to have you on the left wing back. Um, Thanks. Thanks for having me. For a long time, we've wanted to delve into uh, refereeing, and I suppose uh, no better person than yourself to to talk about it, and especially when you're refereeing lads as well, which is obviously, you know, has its difficulties and challenges, I'm sure. So, you know, we will will delve into that. But uh, before we do so, we, I suppose, have to kind of start with uh, the county football. I just want to highlight, though, that fiber broadband has made its way to the Hill of Holoxon. It may not have made its way past the quarry, but made it up here so we're all right okay you reckon this lad spin this yarn then maybe maybe <laughs> mm. wouldn't, be, wouldn't be the first one wouldn't be the first one uh you want to write reply there stevie before we get cracking no i have the right to no comment no i think we'll leave it <laughs> That's it. Uh, a wise man once said nothing uh so yeah um obviously uh, i was up in markovich park yesterday and uh look it, it wasn't pretty i think being realistic going in um and we would have i suppose mentioned it last week on the show uh you know i don't think anyone was expecting to win let's be let's be straight and i'm not too sure if there will be many wins in the league anyway but if you had those realistic expectations you're, you're hoping for maybe to be competitive i felt maybe you know slightly would win by maybe six seven or eight points and that would be going well from a carla point of view so from from what i saw like with the I suppose it's unfair to say limitations, but with the inexperience on show and given that they need time and we spoke about patients previously, you'd always be looking for uh, positives naturally, but are the side kind of maxing out on what they're capable of, even if they are a percentage or two or maybe a bit more off the standard of of where we're hoping they will get to. So yesterday, I think from, from my point of view, I'm not quite sure they were, uh, you know, Sligo were very good and without being overly critical on the lads, I think they are capable of much better, even if they are inexperienced. 
And um, yeah, like it was uh, it was a disappointing spin home. Obviously, nobody more disappointed than uh, than the players themselves and and all the people that are putting the effort into it. And um, like the greater context is the lads that weren't there. Like, I mean. Jamie Clark suspended. Uh, we knew mm. that was going to happen. Daryl Foley being suspended was something that I didn't really expect to, to happen or, or to even knew about. I don't think we knew about it until maybe the middle or tail end of last week. So um, I'm led to believe, you know, something obviously was said and Daryl was suspended, reprimanded afterwards. And uh, I mean, when you take those two guys out, like, mm. what, what hope have you? Like, really? Like, like that's just such a. They're, they're two massive players that we simply cannot be without and we cannot replace so that, that's just too off top of the head now the full list is there somewhere Shawnee and Mikey Barmerick can't be without them uh, Josh Moore was out and then of course Sean Gannon as we know is a long term injury Ross Dunphy um, there's one more I'm forgetting can't take oh, off top of the head on route again like such an experienced player and we were always going to be under under pressure in that game being brutally honest about it and the thing that kind of stood out for me the other thing that stood out was the difficult or the what do you call it? The difference, I suppose, in physicality. And again, we remarked on it last week. Uh, the lads have a lot of work to do. Like Sligo just looks so well conditioned, and you could tell they had a few years of that under their belt. And for a lot of the game, it seemed like men against boys. So that gap is something that will have to be bridged. The pace of the game, understanding of it, that you know that level is just a a little bit higher. But um, I suppose to to give a bit of context on who I was impressed with on an individual basis, which obviously we don't always like singling out individuals, but on a day like that when the performance isn't wonderful, I think it's it's only fair and right to maybe pick out a few lads who, you know, we felt did did pretty good. So I thought Dara Curran was really good. Dara Curran is only maybe eighteen or nineteen, and he was marking Niall Murphy, an established senior in the county footballer who scored thirteen points recently against uh, Ross Common in a league game. Um, you know, I thought he did fairly well. And it wasn't until maybe the last five, six, seven minutes that Niall Murphy kicked a few points from play. The game is done and dusted at that point. So you kind of make some allowances for that. Morta um, Ware, I thought, was really good in the middle of the field. And uh, I think it was his birthday yesterday too. So I wish him a happy birthday while we are at it. But he, he got um, a good few kickouts actually cleanly. And, um, you know, it looked uh, much improved, I suppose, in comparison to the performance against London, which I think he'd be honest enough to admit maybe wasn't that his best, but it was also his first um, league game for Carlo. Probably, I think, I think he played maybe five, six years ago. He was definitely in around the panel of Pedalborn Cup games. But, you know, would be kind of, that would seem like a lifetime ago in terms of where the game is now. So I thought he did quite well. Um, Darrell O'Brien steady enough at wing back. Uh, Colin Holton, obviously, the only one that, that scored in the game, which is which is mm-hmm. mad to think. You know, he, he looked like a, a threat. So, um, yeah, those those were, were were some positives from from where I saw it. But uh, yeah, look, uh, Pam, I suppose I'll come to you first. Like, uh, where do you see uh, Carroll football? I suppose at the moment, um, what's your what's your thoughts on the context of what's going on? Um, do we need to be more patient still, and should we expect more, even though the lads are are very inexperienced? Mm, I think you know. Unfortunately, we got off the worst start possible, right? Great first half against London, and then lost, you know, lost that game. And I, you know, I question is is the confidence of the team just really low after that? And have they found it hard 
to to take that that beating and come back there and get themselves in the right headspace for today, along with having all those injuries and missing players. I think that definitely has to play a part. Like, and you know yourselves, it's when you're a confident team going in, it's half the battle nearly. But I think the the London game has really shook the confidence of the of the group, and I think they're unfortunately now as well. Like that's definitely been nailed home yesterday with the with the with the game against LIGO. Um, so you just yeah i mean it's going to be hard for them to pick themselves back up for sure um you know especially even with the commentary outside of the squad let alone how they're feeling in there you know and um, playing for carlo is a, a huge honor it's also really tough uh, it's not easy and uh, you you give it your all and you train very hard and you don't go out to, to lose by 23 points you surely don't um it's very hard to turn it around when when you started the year the way they did against london i think if they had won that game I think you would have seen a different team yesterday from a confidence perspective even um you know and they would have had something to build on but not having had that good start now it's very hard to turn the league around and as you know in division four you really do need to be um winning your games to to try and get out and until we get out of division four really you know even getting to <laughs> getting to a division four final would be a huge achievement for us you know in the coming years but Definitely that start of the season to the league has been very tough. Um, and I think they're going to find it hard to turn it around now. Um, and now, of course, as you say, there's so many players to come back in. Like, and you're saying, Murta, we a good game. You know, if Dara Foley come back into midfield with him, you're going to solidify that there as well. Um, some good younger players as well, but they really need the experienced heads around them to be able to bring them on. You know, otherwise, they're going to be on a hiding to nothing, really, right? You know, they need the they need, um the likes of Sean Gannon and Owen Ruth and Dara Foley, as we said, Lee Jordan Mark, they need all those players on the pitch around them so they can grow and develop and learn from them and how to manage the game when it's pulling away from you. Um, you know, how to minimize the the um the scores. Um so yeah, it's gonna be a tough, it's gonna be tough. The rest of the league campaign is gonna to be tough. Hopefully they can turn it around, you know, but I think they will need a lot of those players back on the pitch before them to be able to do that. Um we just, as you said, experience is really it's a big gap there and it's a big step up into senior county it's a big step up um and it's been a tough start so um yeah it's not going to be easy i think Niall crew is a lot to do um you know I, I actually trained under Niall for two years when i was in college um a long time ago it's not there yesterday um but he's a good guy he's a good man like you know um he will be giving it all and he really does want to do a good job you know he's passionate about football and he's he's, he's passionate about carla football as well so um, you know, you'd hope that he can he can give them a little bit more confidence in themselves. Unless they build that, I think it's going to be very tough. Mm-hmm. So I, I think another one I sort of maybe included in the the positives. Um, Keegan Bradley was very good on the ball actually as well. I, I need to give him some some credit. Um, and again, similar enough to the London game, he found himself kind of out the field a lot more. Um, wasn't exactly pinned on the edge of the square. You know, a lot of the time he he broke lines and and looked looked as I said very comfortable on the ball, but. Stevie, to, to put a bit of, um, I don't know if to put perspective on it, right, but does it take the, the sting out of London, if you slightly, the fact that London went on and bet Waterford yesterday? Like, that, that seemed a funny kind of a game where they made a very good start, London did, and then Waterford got on top, but in the end, London actually edged it out. So they have now got two wins from two, which is remarkable, really, and you need to give mm-hmm. London credit because they had no game for two years or whatever. So, like, does that put any kind of perspective into our own situation? It doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I think if any other player had been sent off other than Jamie Clark against London, we'd have still won the game by six points. I, I just think, I don't know, the way Jamie was playing that night, um, 
a lot of scores to control him. Witcher being a man down, he was allowed to break, a line, break the line 45, 50 metres out there, draw free. That's that's not answering your question, though, but uh, and going back, the likes of Sean Gannon, someone like this, Horse Law or Choo Choo, these lads, the break the game line, the draw free, the momentum to give to a team. I know you, you can't be depending on one, two or three players um, in particular, but the London result, it just, it seemed when, when Jamie went off, you were number, you were, uh, you were one man down, but you're also, and he's relatively inexperienced, even though he's in there four or five years. Last year was the first year he got, I wouldn't say a fair crack of pip, but earned his place in the team and showed every game he went out better the next day than he was the previous day. And uh, I think that like Waterford and London, Carlo, at the start of the season, to be looking, there are three games, the two other two teams to be looking at are two games, uh, potential four points. If you win them, you're halfway to, you know, looking at your 10, 12 points nearly to, to get into the top two. Mm. Um, Waterford, like we played Waterford down in Waterford the year we got promoted and we had the game nearly put to bed with 10 minutes to go and we went back into it. Like that's, Waterford are always very tricky in Division 4. London, they probably on the high for last week had said, you know, they just, you know, they haven't played a game in two years, they played down a couple of weeks, so lads were saying they played very well in it. Uh, up, I think it was up and down. Um, that, you know, the momentum they have got now, they're, they're four points and mm-hmm. they're in bonus territory already. But back to, try to put yesterday's game into reality, we lost two points. I know Gavin said after the match that, uh, it, you might as well, you know, you could be maybe a pint, there's still two pints gone, but you know, it's just the next game against Water, I think, is Saturday week. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if you have one, two, three, you should have the two boys back in the forest, Aaron and, and, and Jamie, mm-hmm. Sean Gannon, maybe Ross Dunphy, I don't know how about their fixed their own route. Um, their loss alone, Gannon in particular, like, is just an astronomical loss. And mm-hmm. If he never kicks another football for Carlo, which I hope he does, he does kick football plenty for another year or two if he can. But um, it's when these players are gone, you miss him. And like we had a, a big physical team over the last two or four years, built up from you know they had the, the team that got to the minor Leinster. There was I can't remember there was three or four probably off that. Brendan Murphy, Shannon, maybe a couple more. Um, it takes so long in Carlo to build a team. Then you look back then, like Alex Ferguson used to always do with Man United when he was on top. He'd bring in a player or two every year and freshen it up. Uh, like that's in Carlo, with the lads come in, the, the likes of the defender lads there, you have Jamie, McCabe, Keegan Bradley, Carmack and, and, and Parry Hines. These lads are all playing central positions in their first couple of games for county team, a senior county team. Mm. And it's a big step up. Whereas if, if in other, if that had been in last year, two years ago, whether they were or not, they might have been in, they're playing number five, number seven. 12, 15, they're, they're getting a bit more of a, an opportunity to get up to the speed of the game and then, you know, a couple of years' time because different players play in different positions on the county teams. You see, like, in corner four, somebody ends up mm-hmm. maybe centre-back the following year, three or four years down the line. It's just, it's unfortunate the way it's happened. There have been so many lads withdrawn for retirements, injuries, etc. Uh, but the water game the next day is definitely, you know, it's just, we're probably as low as we can get at the moment, and there's only one way, and that's up. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, probably the probably the fairest way of putting it. Um, so like we have we have a text in here now, and the rather stay anonymous, so that that's fair enough. But I will call out the the question. Um, does the problem lie with the clubs or the county? Question mark. Uh, is it the quality of underage coaching at clubs? Is it S and C? Uh, the quality of club football is poor. Uh, county season goes from November, December to May or June. In Carlos case, and for the other six months, is there management? Is there contact from management on progression? Uh, how life in general is going? S and C testing, uh, and uh, all other counties seem to have uh, year-round S and C programs and do it during club season as well. Thoughts? I would say that every senior club in Carlo have an S and C program. I can't imagine they don't. Um, you know, so. Again, I, I don't know if I'd fully agree to say that the club scene in Carlo is poor. I wouldn't know if I'd agree with that. I think we've had some great games in the club championship. And, you know, Air Rogan, Raffili, you know, I mean, you know, excellent, very strong, some great players there. But I think it's, you know, I don't know, have we had the perfect storm for this this league? You know, as you say, with so many withdrawals, we have to have the suspensions, we've had the injuries, and we've all the new players coming in. I don't know. You know, with with that in the you know, if you're putting all that the recipe into a cake, like you're not going to get the you're not going to get the cake you want, right? All the ingredients in, like the, it's it's very tough. We don't have the depth. I think would be the one thing that we could probably you know highlight as a county or a small county, right? We only have a small number of clubs. It's the depth of the squad. I think is what really when we're in situations like this that really comes back to bite us. Um, so you know, maybe to the point of the developing the younger players and the young and those development squads. That work has been ongoing in Carlo. You know, they have they are putting effort into that, into the Colts and the Folds, those teams. Um we're probably, you know, seeing some of the reaping some rewards of that. But you know, when we're missing people like I know you mentioned Sean Gannon there earlier, like that playmaking ability that he has, and he's so creative at holding up the ball and giving a great pass. And you know, he's got a real skill. Like that's he's honed that over years and playing with great players. Um, you know, and it's trying to bring on the treadmill of the next generation. Um, but I, I, I think the club teams, you know, I think they're they're boxing. You know, they're they're able to. They've got some. We've got some great clubs and we've got some great players. It's getting them all into the county and keeping them fit and healthy to play um, while bringing on the next generation. For me, anyway, um, I think that's kind of areas mm-hmm. that we could work on. But I think yeah, the energy probably, is there. You know, yeah. Probably looking at a lot of lads have come in. Like they're playing at intermediate level at the moment or junior and like mm. it's a big big step up yeah. and you know the only place you learn is between the white lines of the pitch that's where you're going to learn and unfortunately yes there was a steep learning curve for a lot of them and just have to suck it up and go on with it and that's that's just the reality of of you know uh carlo went up and played meat in, in crow park in 1996 Got a similar beat, and I know me for a team that came out of blue and won all earned in '96. Might say that's different. Sligo is a different, you know, it's Division Four, but um, you know, you, you have to learn and learn, learn fast. And I'd, I'd say, you know, that it's, it's uh, the minors that got to the, the Leinster final. That we haven't won a minor game until, until last year against Wicklow. I think it's a good few years before we won a first round even in Leinster. Um, you know. The, the questions that, that whoever asked the question are valid questions and yeah, yeah. there's probably no right and wrong answer is in there is better things we, we could be doing definitely from all things and the thing with Carlos you need everyone pulling their weight you have lads being the good lad in Carlo it'll be 
he could be good at hurling football soccer he's going to end up at one of the three of them if he's you know that lad at mm-hmm. 15 16 years of age and uh like you see in in Port Leash released at Paul Cahillan and off to Celtic for a couple of years underage and he came back and you hear these lads come back you know to, to go off into other sports and come back and Carlo we need everyone you know we can't be missing anyone you know within reason and you're hoping yesterday as, as Pam says it was a perfect storm but just everything just you know between the whole thing that the next day has to be you know the four points are gone now promotion has gone realistically I'd say you know we have to win all the games like in the toughest games are yet to come Leitrim the be tippy eight points you know Andy Moore will get a good bounce over them Cavan are unbeaten to be kicking tip after winning Munster a couple of years mm-hmm. ago Wexford you know that the Wexford Waterford games are probably two we, we should be hopefully mm. but even at that Waterford are well coached actually and more Fairness. yeah yeah the, the, with yeah. them like so uh as I said we 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 make life hard on ourselves even when we're going well against the likes of Waterford. So, you know, there's not going to be any change there. Home advantage, we hope, and might make some difference. So, look, Saturday week, Saturday is, week. It's a vital game. And we hope to get a couple of lads back and that I've learned from yesterday. 100%. Um, so, let's move on to refereeing then, Pam. And, uh, yeah, as you said, look, it's something we, we wanted to explore for, for quite some time. And, uh, you know, and then add in the whole thing of, being involved with the with the men's game as an official. So yeah. uh, where where did this mad idea come from initially and I suppose how long have you been doing it? Uh yeah, it was a mad idea. It definitely was. Um a couple of years ago I saw I don't know if you've seen it, uh, it was a documentary RTE made about Fergal Horgan getting ready for the All Ireland final. I don't know if you have any Yeah, in the post van and everything, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really good. It went through like his preparation and all that. And uh, I saw it and I was like, Jesus, I'd love to do that. That sounds brilliant. Like, because I'd stopped playing at that stage. I stopped playing when I was 27, too, way too young. Um, but, you know, um, I didn't realize you were that young finishing up because you'd played county football for a long, long time. Like, yeah, I played the senior football team at uh, 15 as cornerback when I was 15, and we won yeah. the Leinster title against Dublin. Yeah, 95. That's when I started playing. So, tired of 27. Well, the ladies' game is younger, but it was very young back then. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I learned from some great players like, you know, Kathleen Brennan and Geraldine Marr and Mary McGrath, Dory McGrath, they were all playing when I when I started and they looked after you and they killed you in training, but they look after you then when you're on the pitch. But like that's how you learn, that's how you get tough, right? By playing with people like that. Um, mm-hmm. and that's how you're brought on. But uh yeah, so when I saw that documentary, I was saying it to my husband John, and he's like, No, you're mental. Why would you even consider doing something like that? Like and uh said it then to my friend Martina McGrath as well, and she's the same, and she's like, No, you're bananas, and I I saw that a couple of couple of months later at the Carlo, the men's put out county board put out a, a call for people to do the course. And I said, Oh, here, look at I rock in anyway, and I'd see and sure I rocked in and Marion Hayden was there. We we're only two women in the room, obviously. And sure I played football with Marion. And we, we I didn't know she was going to be there. Sure. Then when we were both doing it, we said, Oh, here we'll stay going. And Sean Clear actually did the course. Um, the King Henny uh, hurling referee, he gave the course. Um, it was over like a six week period and it was just excellent. I absolutely loved it. Like even the video analysis, just the complexity of the rules themselves. Like, and even, I just learned so much about the game, you know, that you don't learn when you're a player. You just don't. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, so that was great crack until we actually had to go and do it. Uh, <laughs> then it was just, we did a few, like we're the line for a few games and we did a bit of that. And uh, 
men the county board asked me would I do a junior match out in Cal it was for a first men's game and it was a junior C match and fairness I'd say the lads have been warned like you better be you know <laughs> you better go you easy sound. after the first match and it was brilliant I, I just from that game then I was completely hooked like um, I won't say like even to this day I would be nervous going to matches I've never not um, sometimes that's a good thing because it means you're tuned in and you know you're you're wait, you're you're ready and you're prepared. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 not an easy job. It's really not an easy job. Um, the men's side, um, I've refereed a good few games for the men. They do go a bit here in O'Loughlin, especially for their practice matches. Because my husband's the chairman, so he doesn't want to pay referees. <laughs> he just <laughs> 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 get the papers, usually. So uh, yeah, yeah. So former county footballer as well, just to put it out. Yeah, yeah well-known yeah, county yeah. footballer. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I do a few good few games here, and then obviously I do a lot of the line for the championship um, for both senior mm-hmm. and senior, which is great because and I actually that's my favorite part of refereeing is doing the line for really experienced referees. You learn so much every game, you know, the likes Johnny Murphy, um, any of the lads. They're just all so good, you know. And Carlo, the standard is very high. You may not agree with me, and maybe people listening won't agree with me, but the standard is actually really high in Carlo. Um, you know, uh, we have some great referees and it's just, it's a pleasure to learn from them and even their communication as well, their communication style, um, all of that. So I do love one of the line. Um, it's one of the things I enjoy most about refereeing. It's a challenge as well on the men's side. Um, refereeing is very different between men's and ladies. It's very different. The rules are very different. They're a completely mm-hmm. different game. Um, and it can be difficult to do both because some of the rules on the ladies' side are different to the rules on the men's side, as in the the infraction or you know the card or the the foul is different so um it can be it's much more complex on the men's side in one way in that there's a lot more rules and they are getting harder as time goes on i think you know the advanced mark is awful you know i i have a book of notes and i think i have like two pages on the advanced mark alone so it's it's really it's really difficult it is really hard to keep a track of what's going on the pitch um a while and i find on the men's side compared to the ladies side um there's a lot of calling for freeze so the guys are step 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 you'd just be withered like listening to it you really would because it stops you making a good decision because there's so much noise you know shouting mm-hmm. at you so actually if you stopped calling that the referee will probably make a better decision because they have mm-hmm. more thinking time and thinking space the ladies don't do that as much so yeah yeah. yeah, and I think like in general, then would you say do you get do you get less abuse or do you get any abuse at all when you're when you're involved in, in men's games? Um, does it does it help uh, that you're female in that regard? It's so it works for you and against you. I think um, when you're doing a good job, um, you're the best in the world. If you get it wrong, it's because you're a woman, <laughs> so not because you're human. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I suppose I did a I did a game a couple of years ago out in Fenna and it wasn't great. You know, I I suppose, you know, it was only starting off, probably let the game get away and you kinda know as well and you've let you know when that happens, it's very difficult to pull it back. Just it was just like when you're playing. Um and I got a lot of commentary afterwards because it's because I was a woman, but it wasn't, it was just because I had a bad day. <laughs> and I was you know, I was I was human. And direct, um, just like direct straight at you as well, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and look, you know, you don't go out. You can't cross that line with a whistle in your hand if you're not able to take it. You just might yeah. just at home, you know. 
it's not easy, but you might as well stay at home if that's if you can if you let. I think as you develop through the years, you develop a thicker skin and you actually stop hearing people on the line. So regardless of what they shout at you, you kind of don't hear it. Um, mm-hmm. Although one of the, some of the worst games I have have been for under 12 girls, um, but that's not the players, it's the, it's the line. Yeah. And some of the, they are some of the worst games. They're the games you have to really be careful about because yeah. there's kids there as well. So, um, um, but yeah, so on the men's side, the, so the positives, I suppose, especially when you're doing the line is that um, you can very much calm. I think you can be, you know, I don't know if, if some of the managers lose the head as much when you're there. Um, I think they're, behave themselves a bit more and sometimes I think I'm strategically placed because of that <laughs> because that's you know uh, that influence is there so yeah it can work both ways like if you can just positive and negatives for that how long did it take to develop a thicker skin I suppose because if I'm there doing that job uh, and I suppose even even naturally as a player I would spend a lot of time you know when I was able to play a little bit with you uh, going home in the car thinking about it and, and even maybe later on when I'm lying down finding it hard to sleep because I'm thinking about everything I did in the game be it good or bad mm-hmm. and uh, even if you do the nine things good you're still thinking about the one thing you do bad and that kind of has a tendency to mm-hmm. overpower all the other things that you did good um, yeah. so is, is it like that from a referee's point of view as well? Yeah definitely yeah I, I think a majority of referees and all the majority referees I know we do self-reflection after every game and uh, right, you know, you're writing down what went well, what didn't go well. You're trying to learn from it the next time. Every referee I know does that. Um, most games, I usually give Marion a call on the way home, or vice versa, and we talk about what happened, or mm-hmm. did, was that the right call, or was that not the right call? Um, a lot of it comes down to knowing your rules as well. That's where the confidence comes from. If you know your rules um, and you know the call was right then you kind of forget about it regardless of how people take the call. You know, if you know that, yeah, that was the right call. I saw the infraction, I associated the rule and I gave the, I gave the free, you know, so if you can be confident in that, it helps. It's the ones that you're not sure of. They're the ones that you keep going over and over again on, and the loop on. But then, as I said, the self-reflection, pull out the rule book and, you know, and work out was that the right call or not. And then more often than not, you'll remember that for the next time. So mm-hmm. that does help. That's the self-reflection piece, definitely. And then not having someone you can talk to about it afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think in general, like, it's not a job that people are mad to go and do. Um, you know what I mean? So I, I'd imagine, like, where does the actual enjoyment come from then? Like, because it's a, a lot of people, I suppose, would have a perception with maybe some referees, uh, not all of them, by no means all of them, a very small majority kind of like the whole centre of attention thing <laughs> and it can get in on them, right? I'm, I'm almost certain, like without a shadow of a doubt, that's not, that's not Pam. But what is the actual biggest enjoyment in, in being a referee? Where, where does it actually come from? Like, Is it just yeah, seeing a good game develop in front of you or, or what is it? Yeah. Oh, it's a great question. I Sometimes when I'm on the pitch, like I'd say to myself, I love this. Like, honestly, you know, I just love it. It's a fantastic way to be on the pitch, number one. So you're on the pitch in the middle of a game, you know, when there's fantastic football being played. And um, I think for me, when you can impact positively on it, so you're treating the players with respect, you know your rules, you do a good job, and you make the game better for them. Um, and when you do that, it's just, it's, it's a great feeling to know that you've done that coming off and you've done your best. And I think that's really relevant on the lady side 
you know, because, you know, I suppose when I played, very most referees were the only female I knew was Geraldine Marr and never saw a female referee ever on the pitch. Always male referees coming over. You know, to be honest with you, like, except with the county, like, you were, you know, you were hard done by, like, they barely walked between the two 45s. Like, um, so for me, I kind of wanted to, why I got involved is just just to improve it. Um, and the LJFA, I, I think I was saying to you before, are excellent with developing referees. They're just excellent at bringing people in and that whole player development thing, and they keep going. But um, it's just brilliant to be involved in the game when you when you can do it well, right and do it well. It is. Mm-hmm. It is it so is. I think from from the outside in, communication is the single biggest thing, yeah. and and just talking to a player on a human level. Mm-hmm. I think referees have got better at that. You know, I, I felt occasionally. There was, a, I know, a school kind of headmaster approach, and it's not the right approach. You can just talk to someone. And do you know what? I've seen Salt do it before, right? Salt put up his hand and said, I made a mistake. And you could see it was quite obvious. It was a game on the telly. I can't remember which one it was. He apologized for not giving the advantage. He knew he should have given an advantage, mm-hmm. and it was a goal scoring opportunity. And I think there's so much respect to be got out of that. You know what I mean? Rather than just kind of be thinking, oh, damn, I've, I've effed up that one. And you know what I mean? So. Is that something you kind of go along with? Yeah, definitely. Like, there's not a game you won't do that you won't make a mistake in. It's just not possible. Like, there's so much to see and there's so much to catch. I think if you catch, think if you can do eighty percent of it really well, or even eighty-five on some days, you're, that's a good job. Um, there's a lot going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, communication, absolutely. Like, I think you get back what you give out as well. You know, so if you can be calm and collected. When you're making the call you're using the language of the rules that really helps so the player knows that you know what you're talking about um frustration comes when you're not consistent as well so trying to be consistent with how you apply the rule um and then apologizing if you don't see something that can uh, that can happen quite a bit and i was doing the minor c fine there the other night and uh i was i was just not running a great line i just didn't see the foul out on the line you know and um uh the player said to me afterwards, did you not see that ref? I said, actually, I'm really sorry. I didn't see it. I was in the wrong position. I'll make sure I get into a better position the next time. You know, and that's all you can do. You can just mm-hmm. say, I didn't see it. Or what was that for? And you're explaining then why you made the call. And when I start a game, I always say that to the captains. If you're not sure why I've given a free, just ask me. It's my job to tell you why I've given a free. If I'm not clear, you know, so. But you do definitely get back what you put out. So being mm-hmm. cool and calm as much as possible. What they say was it well, you know, walk slowly, think quickly. Do you know <laughs> that's yeah. what you should do with reverie? That's the I think that's one yeah. of the written rules, or maybe it's written somewhere, but yeah, you know, so just be calm and cool and fit as well. Being fit is important that so you get into the right position and you're keeping up with the play because they know if you're not with the play, if you can't. And that's actually a big difference between the ladies and the men's. The ball moves so fast in the men's. You could do up to 10k a game, like if you were doing you're, you know, so you really need to be, you need to be fit. It's tough going. But Do you have empathy for um, referees? And look, I'm not quite sure, can I include the women's game in this? Because I don't know what the assessor process is, right? But I'd have a fair idea of what it is and how stringent it is in, in the men's game, right? Yes. And it's a question I maybe brought up on air on uh, Casey Lord yesterday. We were doing the gig there. Like, when you start off yes. and... 10 years down the road, are you refereeing that game a little bit different? Because obviously your first few games, there's someone there taking note. And that's, I would struggle to see how you could always apply common sense 
in respect of certain decisions or you know what you hear the term let the game go or let the game flow right so if you were to apply every rule in the book the game wouldn't flow at all let's be mm-hmm. honest though that's the way it is mm-hmm. so do, do you think people do, do you have an empathy maybe or some bit of um i suppose understanding as to why people referee games differently in the early part of the career later on do you think that actually happens in the first place and um do you feel a bit more liberty i suppose as you progress year in year out in terms of maybe what you can or can't do or let a game flow because look john john won't want you saying this right i know john hickey quite well the way he refereed the county hurling final last year was completely different to maybe how he refereed games 10 years previous like the whistle was hardly blown and the game it was great right he was consistent with it i'm not i'm going to let this go as much as possible mm-hmm. and we saw one of the greatest scores of all time because he refereed it that way john nolan went down it was blatantly fouled and put a point over off his knees if that whistle was blown we never would have saw that right mm-hmm. i just think in general that's the that's the law he applied and it, it was a similar game i can't think which one it was and that's what he went <laughs> to but i don't know would john have rested that way 10 years previous and if he's listening or looking let him let him write in and prove me wrong but i would just have my suspicions so I'm going a long-winded way around asking you the question, but what are your thoughts on that? Is that a myth or, or is it fact, do you think? Well, like John Hickey is one of the best referees in the country, so mm. <laughs> like, to be honest, like, I'm not going to say anything against John. He's taught me an awful lot. Um, I think confidence, that's where that comes from. So when you're starting off, um, your worst nightmare is to lose control of the game. So if you're letting the game flow, it's a knife edge there, right? So you need to have the confidence in your ability to be able to keep control of the game while also letting it flow. When you don't have the confidence, you tend to call the freeze because you're A, worried that your player is going to get injured or B, that you're not doing the game properly. So you go there to try to do it properly, you know, to be fair to both sides um, and be consistent. But as you get confident and as you, I suppose, develop your knowledge and develop your skills, that confidence grows, which allows you to let more go, you know, so you, while still controlling the game. So that's probably what you saw with John, like, John has um, has so much experience now. He's seen everything. So he knows how a game is going to flow. You know, and he knows that, yes, I can let this go. It is. And the hurling is, is so different as well. I sometimes, like, I've never never played Camogie. So when I look at it, I, there's no rules, I don't think, at all. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know for, for myself, um, you know, even the game, the, the minor final I did during the week, like, I definitely started off, you know, a bit nervy and then grew into the match. And, as you over time, that's just what happens as well. You just get better, um, like you do as a player, right? You get better. If you play for 10 years, you're going to be a better footballer. You're going to read the game better. You're going to know how the play is going to work out. It's the exact same with refereeing um, mm. and having confidence in your own ability. Um, I think that helps definitely to free it to improve. But obviously, knowing that maybe you aren't under the microscope as much from an assessor's point of view, that's, you know, I, I think that makes a difference because when you're, when you're going in and just say you're refereeing a, a Division 4 National League football game, and God knows, I'll be straight, we've seen some horrendous things happening that you wouldn't see in Division 1. Sometimes I think that's literally because, I don't think it's actually because the referee is the poorest referee of all time. I think maybe he's getting caught up in, he or she is getting mm. caught up in the fact that they have to take the box early on or they don't get bigger games. So that's where I was kind of coming from, maybe with, with that. Yeah, you know? actually, I, I don't know if I fully agree with that because I think the, the higher up you go with regards to county, I think the more scrutiny is on you. So you, you think, have yeah. To inform, yeah, I do. Like, and the level of uh, fitness that those guys have to get to is like seventeen three or something, seventeen four. Like that's inter county fitness standard. Like it's I would never hit it. Um, you know, even you know, 
tried to get onto the Leinster panel, but I wouldn't have made. I think it was like sixteen two, and I just wouldn't have made the fitness um, at the quick, um, quick, but not that quick. But I do think as you move up into provincial or into provincial and provincial, I actually think it's much harder. As in the the demands are higher, the ball, the game is quicker. You you're less forgiving for making bad decisions. And I know what you mean. Like the, you do see a difference in skill maybe between Division Four and Division One, but you know the guys who are refereeing Division One, how many years have they been doing that, and how much extra support have they got? So they're doing all the training hubs, they're doing all the extra sessions, they're doing all the extra rules, extra video analysis. And it's only as you step up into provincial and or into provincial and, and national that you get that. You know, so um, I think the higher up you go, the harder it is. So there's yourself, Marion, uh, Kiva Collins, uh, Liam Mullins. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a good few in, yeah, in Carlo and Fairness. Right, right right now. Hopefully we can entice a few more females into it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely okay. something you'd recommend and um, yeah, I would. you're enjoying yeah. it overall. Highly, yeah, I would. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I definitely would. Any, any last, any last thoughts before we, we finish up, Pam? No, um, no, nothing other than, I suppose, uh, I, I feel for poor David Goff today. I think he had a tough day in the office yesterday. Um, I've done loads of courses with David. He's an excellent referee. He really is excellent. Um, so I think he was very brave in giving the red cards. I think it was a brave move. And I think the next time he walks onto the pitch, he won't be faced with that again because they know that if they started, they're going to walk. So mm. and I think he set down a marker yesterday. And I'm, I'm glad he did it. I think, not glad he did it, but I'm glad that he had the, had the balls to do it. Like, it's a brave thing to do. Um, you know, yeah. brave, whether you agree with the card or not, I think it's a brave thing to do. So. Um, yeah. yeah, and the commentary around that is actually interesting, Pam, because, yeah, um, yeah. you know, uh, I think the guys on, on League Sunday were saying that there should have been more cards. And then, um, yeah, Colin Warwick said, I can't take the exact terms, I don't want to misquote them. But, uh, you know, the Mead side, they weren't exactly angels either, were they? There was one or two things that, that they might have done, which was a bit untoward as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think it, it has sparked a lot of debate, hasn't it? Yeah, for those, I think perception would have been for those Malays, usually it's like one player from each team gets sent off and that's it. You know? Yeah. That's usually, so that's why everyone piles in because they know I'm not going to get your fella in there before me, so in we go, you know? But yeah. they don't think that's going to be the case now. You know, I think that's going to change. Yeah, and in those situations, like, are you, are you just better off standing a couple of yards away, taking in as much as possible? And yeah, you're isn't. not allowed, actually, that's the direction, you know, you obviously can't touch a player. So you, yeah. um, as a referee, when that happens, it is your worst nightmare, by the way, your absolute worst nightmare because your number one responsibility is to keep players safe. And like that's when that's not going to be the case, right? That's a big worry that you can't keep players safe. But you have to stand back and you can't interfere at all. You can blow the whistle and that is it. And you just have to wait for the players to resolve if you can't get involved at all. If they only stand back and do your best to see who those people are who are, who are getting involved and that's all you can do. Yeah. Well, come here. Um, it's been a pleasure having a chat with you. You might jump on again at some stage. Um, yeah. Nice to get the nice to get the insight. Barmer didn't stare, <laughs> didn't scare you off anyway. Um, <laughs> he scared a few people off in his time here. Um, but anyway, look, it's, it's great to catch up to Pam, and thanks for coming on. And um, Stevie, is nothing you want to say actually before we let you go as well? I, I kind of took over there for the last twenty minutes and made a spectator of you. I'm but... sure you're the boss. Let's go. Let's go. Marion. Old Brendan was refereeing a match one day with Palatine Noel Auckland in. Um, in Aska, about 85, 86 or that. And uh, the game was going along normal enough, nothing major. And Martin Long was in the goal at the bottom end. And John Corner was the one umpire. Next one, two, whether 
pal subs or supports what went down and attacked the two boys anyway and it was a fairly fairly healthy round on for a couple of minutes and Brendan had the knock instead in the middle of the field the whole lock the fire went down anyway he did not let the game go back on again and what in the world said so uh, but the refereeing end of it like Pam says um, should have given a great analysis of it there because it's like playing you know you, you learn the hard way and I, I she says you have to blank out the crowd and all that. It's like playing the goal because I, I've heard dogs in the goal and rightly so when a, a, a scuttery goal will go in or something and take that lad out of the goal or whatever. And you'd, you'd know who's after saying it, like you'd know it's one of your own lads and, and, and you have to just blank it out. And you know, when you're down defending, just two, you're, you're there against two crowds, uh, so you, you probably won't be able to think of who it is. But like, uh, the games won't go ahead with our referees and. You know, as Pam says, you could get someone just walking between the two forty-fives, and the thing about it is, if it's that or, or no one, you have to hope with that. And you know, mm. the, the clubs are asked every year, and, and I know he, like Pam went out of her own accord. It wasn't that all Auckland went after her, or, mm. or the ladies went after her. You know, she she went of her own, uh, and the, the thing is. And there's always people asking us from underage levels, is there any way, well, some, some mentors will be saying to you to see a bigger picture, is there any way you can incentivize people to get involved in refereeing? And the young whistlers, I think it's a, there was a thing was done there, I don't know whether it's a, you'd see it some goal games, and sometimes they, they try and get a 13 or 14 year old maybe to do a goal games. And, you know, if you could, could get them into the, that way, it's like players how do you develop players how do you develop referees you know without someone playing when they're when you're finished playing you know can you get people that mightn't be that much into playing refereeing is the job for them you know at a younger age maybe so it's but the games won't go ahead and it's every sport's the same you know and, and if you're getting abuse uh, no, look, look I'm not saying that much that's you know you, you, you have to Think of it, you know, if a mistake is made and you see him working to work both ways for you, it can be for you or against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put your hand up and say, I made a mistake, you know, and as you said, with Salt there, he said, put up the thing, he said it was limited temporary, it was that match mm-hmm. in particular there. So, you know, it's, 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 you need fresh faces, you know, no matter what code it is or whether it's officiating or playing, and like it's great to see, like, as you said, um, Kiva and presumably uh, Liam she's had a yeah. while now as well, you know. So mm-hmm. her father Fran, remember refereeing a mm-hmm. under fourteen semi final. We were in Bagnestown and, and uh, he, we Pat Cochran was full back and he caught his father. I think he, he got the I don't know what he got. He got it was a fairly healthy row and one of the lads full far from the town. Now. And that time, you know, referees had separate lads to try because it was a young lads was under fourteen and he, he pulled him apart and he can. He had a job pulling them apart, Harry, but Pam says different, different mm-hmm. you can't touch anyone, you know, you have to, mm-hmm. your P's and Q's, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's great to see plenty of new faces, uh, you know, doing it, so, you know, best of luck, and I, 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 another time I, I'd send Pam a text of looking at a match or something, and she'd make a random text, and I'd say, what did you get that decision? <laughs> I'd be looking for the, was it in the book to do it, like, and, or after a match, and she'd, she'd come back with it, Maybe five minutes, could be an hour, but you'll be back with an answer. It depends how far the rules are away. (laughs) (laughs) Inside in the book, like, yeah. So, look, that's the story. Thanks, thanks a million for jumping on with us, Pam. And, um, and and Stevie, thanks a million too. So, 
Uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. There we go. That, that concludes the the uh, the football show in association with uh, Solar Science. Mm-hmm.